And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who really likes the Super Bowl. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? Boy, it's beautiful today, and today, the Colonel and I are back on the mainland, and there's a couple of good reasons for that, and I'll tell you about them. But boy, it's beautiful here. Oh, I always miss Milleroni when I'm not there. And uh, not just because of uh, tossing people in the volcanoes, even though that's great. It's great fun. Uh, I'll be honest with you. But uh, no, it's just beautiful here. A beautiful day on the mainland where we are at Stately Miller Manor. And that works today, too. Stay saying Stately Miller Manor is uh, me, well, taking something with affection and respect from the great old Batman show and the great old Batman comics where he lived at Stately Wayne Manor. At any rate, though, and more on that, too. Boy, oh boy, though, that music just makes me happy, whether we're on the mainland or not. And, of course, that's the George Gipp Orchestra and the Margaret Miller Dancers, no relation, featuring boy tenor Mike Lucking, asking the musical question... Growing up, did everyone know a kid who, at his house, when things weren't going his way, would shout, I'm calling the police? Mike, uh, the colonel and I don't know. I don't know, and he doesn't know. We haven't quite heard of that one, but we, well, look, truth is we love you. We love Mike Lucking so much and thinks he sends, well, the best boy tenor musical questions And he does, but we have no idea what this one means. I've never heard of it, and Colonel Jeff never heard of it. And uh, But I trust you, and so does he, and so I wanted to say it and say it out there, say it out loud to everyone, and uh, perhaps Mike was that kid calling the police, but I don't think so. He's too cool for that. And uh, so here's an assignment to all of you out there. If you know what this means— If you've heard it somewhere yourself, if you have any experience with us, with that rather, please write to us and tell me and Colonel Jeff what your experience is and, well, what the heck that means. I'm sure Mike knows, but you know what? Let's see what you folks know, too. And uh, so thanks. Please let us know. Mike, as always, good one. But uh, this one has the added mystery of not having the slightest idea what it means. But we will, and we'll put it on the show. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. (laughs) See, I love the things you pick there. That's the bongo drums like that. That's just, that's another thing I don't understand. I don't know what that means. It's like Mike's question. You know, I I don't know what the bongo drum means, but I know it works. Makes me happy, makes me smile. And uh, this is a terrific joke. The Colonel and I both liked it, and as always, if you like it too, please pass it on to your friends and family and loved ones. 
and uh, you might just like it, <laughs> this one enough. A young man walks into a bar on a weeknight, and he sits down and orders a drink at the bar, and he notices that there's an older couple sitting next to him, and they seem charming, and they're very nicely dressed. And turns out this is their 50th anniversary. He can hear them talking, and they're, they're very, well, again, just charming. And they're remembering and talking about the past, and, well, uh, the the wife uh, just says, uh, do you remember, Bill, that, because this was, and the night well, we got married and we came to this this bar right here. And we had a drink and we were so happy. That was the first night of our marriage. And he says, I do, Eleanor, I do. And you know what? Do you remember also that, well, we were so happy to be married and finally just on our own. And uh, we went out back and there was a big field with a fence in the back on the border. And we walked out there. It was a beautiful night, a beautiful spring evening. And uh, we went out there to the fence. And, well, he, we kissed and hugged and leaned on it. And we were so happy. And uh, and then we made love for the first time. And she said, oh, Bill, yes. And they were very sweet. And then Eleanor leans over and whispers to Bill you know, uh, it's a beautiful night. Would you like to take another walk out there and uh, see if it's as pretty as we remember? And he looks at her and, and smiles and said, I'd love to. That would be grand. And they do. They go up. They get off their bar stools and they go out. And uh, the young man is sitting there and says, well, that was charming, he says to himself. I really like that. I like them. And he just, well, a minute later, he finishes his drink and says, well, you know what, I think maybe I'll go to another place. And he walks out. But actually, he wanted to see what the back of the bar was like and how big the field was against the fence there. And, well, and he wasn't trying to, you know, trying to interrupt anybody or, 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 or look in the wrong place. And he, he looks, sure enough, he looks around the bar, though, and there they are at the end of a field. It's not so long. It's about 50 yards to the fence, and he... uh and sure enough, well, folks, he's amazed. Those two on their 50th anniversary are hugging and kissing and locked together, making sweet love. And they're happy and they're, they're jumping and woo, yipping and oh boy. And, you know, ah, and he, and he's, he's touched again. He says, how do you like that? And he, <laughs> life is funny. And he starts to walk toward the parking lot again. And uh, there, after just, well, another 30 seconds or so, he sees coming around the bar is Bill, the older man there, the uh, the husband from the marriage. And uh, he says to him, he smiles at him, and uh, Bill's going to walk back into the bar. And he just, well, he says to him, you know what? Uh, forgive me, I wasn't trying to watch there, but I overheard your conversation at the bar and inside, and I... I mean, you were really full of energy there, both of you. What's your secret? And Bill says, well, 50 years ago, that wasn't an electric fence. <laughs> well, we got a kick out of that. That's one of those cute jokes, and you can see that if they, well, that would make a difference. That would be, that'd be something you remember for the next 50 years. And so on their 100th anniversary, 
they could probably say they could probably go back to that bar, have one quick cocktail, and if one of them said, "Hey, want to take a walk out to see uh, the field and the fence?" I'm sure the other one would say, "No, not really. I think it may be nuclear by now." And uh, in any case, that was the joke of the week, and I hope you liked it because we did here. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. Well, I'm just still thinking about an electric fence. Yikes. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, this is a lovely poem uh, written by the great Henry David Thoreau. American uh, man of letters from the 19th century, and he wrote many wonderful things. And this one is called The Moon by Henry David Thoreau. The full-orbed moon with unchanged ray mounts up the eastern sky, not doomed to these short nights for a, but shining steadily. She does not wane, but my fortune, which her rays do not bless, my wayward path declineth soon, but she shines not the less. And if she faintly glimmers here, and paled is her light, yet alway in her proper sphere she's mistress of the night. Isn't that lovely? Well, Thoreau, God bless him, was a great writer. But uh, he sure knew how to write in English. <laughs> thank you, Henry. And thank you, folks. That's another thing. Keep that one in mind. The Moon by Henry David Thoreau. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. M-M-M. This is a terrific movie, folks, and the truth is, with the Super Bowl coming up, I looked up today I uh, on the uh, on the computer. I looked up. Well, let's see if there are any Super Bowl movies out there, and I didn't see any. There was nothing that was uh, specific about that. Well, the Super Bowl. This is only fifty-two years, fifty-two Super Bowls, but I saw one that I remember, and uh, it's about football and many sports. But not about the Super Bowl, but a wonderful movie. It's called Jim Thorpe, All-American, from 1951. And what a cast, and by golly, directed by Michael Cortez, who I believe did Casablanca as well, a great and prominent Hollywood director, starring Burt Lancaster, Charles Bickford, Phyllis Thaxter, and Ronald Reagan as the great George Gipp. It's a wonderful movie and, and a great cast. And Charles Bickford, by the way, you may not know by name, but he's been in, oh, hundreds of movies uh, from that era, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and he was great in all of them. And uh, <laughs> he was in a favorite movie of mine called Mr. Lucky, 
And uh, also one of Den- one, another favorite of mine, The Song of Bernadette. So he could play tough guys and priests from 500 years ago. He was just wonderful. And you know what, folks? This is, I, I instantly thought, oh, I, th- I know what the magic movie, movie moment is in this one. Uh, Charles Bickford plays the great Pop Warner, the head coach of the football team. But good Lord, Pop Warner, and he moved Jim Thorpe along really well and taught him how to be a great athlete. And Pop Warner goes to the hospital to visit the sick and dying George Gipp. George Gipp was probably the greatest football player of his day there, that whole era, and played by Ronald Reagan. And he gets hurt, and he gets sick, and he's dying, and he's in that hospital bed, and it has a wonderful scene that's completely true that maybe some of you have heard. Well, Pop Warner says to him, you know, he's, well, Gipp is in the bed there in the hospital, and he's very weak, and he's dying. And Pop Warner says to him, "Listen, you gotta remember that. Uh, hold on and do this." And he and he gives him a a good affectionate speech. And uh, Reagan, as George Gipp says to him, interrupts and says, uh, "You know, Pop, uh, listen, I I have something I want to ask for you as a as a favor to me. Next time you're in a game, and well, the boys are up against it, and it's not going well, then it." At halftime, take him in and say, hey, win one for the Gipper. And folks, that's a true moment. And uh, and he does that in the locker room at halftime. They have a game, I think it's a day later, and they're in there and, it's, and then they're up against it and it's not going well. And Charles Bickford, as, as Pop Warner, says to them, listen, go on, you know, I saw... I saw George in the hospital, and then and he asked me to do something, and I'm asking you now, let's win one for the Gipper. And that's also true. And by the way, what's also true is they lost that game. That's actually true. But it gave the players and Pop Warner something to smile about and say, you know, when you commit to winning a game for the Gipper, you're supposed to win the game. But they were saying that, you know what? Well, with all their full hearts, hearts full of love. It's a wonderful movie, folks. Jim Thorpe, All American. Burt Lancaster is wonderful. And Phyllis Thaxter plays, well, uh, I mentioned her in the introduction too, Margaret Miller, who was the real uh, woman of, well, who married Jim Thorpe. Just great moments, and all true that at college he met her and he he saw her a few times and then walking along and then he would go up to her and said, it's a great scene. He says, uh, I think I love you, and I can't be sure because I've never loved someone before. And he, he was just great at it. Watch that movie if you can. Jim Thorpe, All-American. You won't be sorry you did. And uh, speaking of the moon of love, you know, last night was a very unusual moon. You don't hear that a lot. But Colonel Jeff was telling me that it's it was a blue moon and a blood moon. And the first 
total lunar e- eclipse in a long time. And, well, the blue moon, blood moon just doesn't happen. The, the, it was the first of these seen in the United States since 1866. So it was just after the Civil War. But you know what? I didn't see it. I forgot. And the colonel had to remind me today here in the studio, and that was one of those things again. Well, why didn't I see that? And a full lunar eclipse? Good Lord. So together, these haven't been seen since, well, since the days of the Colosseum. But I mean, it was just, uh, sometimes that happens. I've talked about this before, that you you plan, you notice your the odometer in your car is about to turn to 10,000. And you always say, oh, boy, look at that. It's only it's only four miles away. This is great. And now I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to see it because I'm in the car and I'm driving. I'll see it switch to 10,000. But you never do. You just can't remember. You just continue driving on your way, which you should do, drive safely. But, I mean, you just, the next time you think of it, oh, you just glance down, and now it's 10,008 miles. So, you know what? I never see the odometer change, and I guess I didn't see the moon last night, and I guess I sure would have liked to, because, and that's not just Los Angeles, it's not just California, it's not New York, it's just, that's all over America. And, uh, but I do have some things to tell you about, well, things to do in Southern California. It's a beautiful place, and, uh, well, again, we're here at Stately Miller Manor, and uh, last week, Colonel Jeff and I and his friend Dan from Philadelphia went to the Hollywood Museum on Highland Avenue to see the Batman 1966 exhibit, or Batman 66, I think they called it. And uh, boy, it was great. It was so great. As he pointed out, his friend Dan just lost his mind. He loved it so much. And, whew, folks, if if you can do that, this is a wonderful museum, but it's very accessible. And Colonel Jeff was nice, bought tickets for all of us. I think it was 15 bucks each. And But that was awfully nice. And in this museum, it's the kind that has pictures, photos, and scripts from all the great Hollywood movies, big and small. And it's a wonderful place. I think three stories, four stories tall. And, well, the Batman 66 exhibit was on the third floor, if I remember. Folks, it was great. You you have to love, if you, if you don't, and then remember, I told you about this, that uh, the week before that, Colonel Jeff ran into Burt Ward at Pink's, where they uh, have, well, great hot dogs and onion, all sorts of things. Pink's is very famous. And, uh... A guy named Pink opened it up in 1939, before World War II. And uh, but you know what? That was our plan: go to the Hollywood Museum, and then go back to Pink's for a great lunch. Folks, we had a great time. All the pictures of well, Adam West as a wonderful Batman. I loved that guy as Batman. He was always a great actor. But and as Burt Ward as Robin. Wow. He was a terrific Robin, and Adam always had that serious voice, and he could say, no, Robin, good grammar is very important, 
And they had a couple of pieces of dialogue dialogue from that. And it's wonderful to see. And they have pictures, obviously, of everyone. Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara. And we got a kick out of that because I was, well, that was also the days. This is 1966. So, of course, Chief O'Hara has a very thick Irish accent. Why? I don't know. But he, I remembered it, and I loved it. Every time Chief O'Hara spoke, it was, it was like that. Well, Commissioner, we've got to get Batman in on this. And and uh, Commissioner Gordon, of course, was, well, the uh, full head of white hair and, and, and the suit, and says, I don't know how we can contact him. But, uh, well, let's turn the bat signal on. They were wonderful. And the criminals were great. They played, oh, Burgess Meredith as the Penguin and the great Cesar Romero as the Joker. And Cesar Romero whew, was, oh, they were all great actors. Cesar Romero was just wonderful. Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. And I could be wrong, but I think Frank Gorshin was from my area of Long Island, where I grew up. And uh, Colonel Jefferson, my favorite, well, Julie Newmar as Catwoman. I mean, that's a, one of those, uh, please, there's nothing, you know, if you need something else said about that, you're you're on the wrong show. Julie Newmar, God bless her, great actress and gorgeous, just beautiful and holy mackerel pretty. And so many other good, Yvonne Craig was in that as, uh, and she had her picture up all over the place too as Batgirl and so many folks. It was wonderful. And all the exhibits on all the floors were terrific. We had a great time, and I'm awfully glad that came up. That was organized by Colonel Jeff. He said, hey, how about this? How about this day? And we'll go down there, and we'll go to the museum, and then we'll go to Pink's. Great idea. And again, his friend just lost his mind. He was so happy to be there. And we went out afterwards, just walked out the door, but the truth is we were all a little tired. I had parked a couple of blocks away, just south of Hollywood Boulevard. And the colonel and I uh, were going to walk over there and get the car. And we decided, you know what, we just didn't feel like going to Pink's. It's one of those, we're tired. We had enough walking. You walk around a museum, as you know, you spend an hour, hour and a half walking around a museum. It's like you had to build the museum. And boy, oh boy, we got to my car and we passed a restaurant called Michelli's, M-I-C-E-L-I apostrophe S. There's another one, a bigger one, out, uh, you know, above one of, off one of the main boulevards. But this was just on, that's right, Las Palmas, south of Hollywood Boulevard. And I said, buddy, I've got news for you. They were going to say, well, we'll, we'll all meet at Mel's Diner. That was the plan to meet Dan at Mel Di- Mel's Diner, and I said, "I'm, I'm beat. I'm tired. I think maybe you know because my car was on that block." And I said, "I think I might just go in here to Michelli's." And he, he, Jeff had been there, and uh, it was terrific. It was an old style place, and it was just full enough. One or two tables had folks in them, and they were tourist folks from. Oh, one from Wisconsin and one from somewhere else in the, in the Midwest there. And they were very nice. And they were they were nice. And the waitress was very pretty. And uh, it was 
and very nice. And I ordered a great meal. And uh, and someone someone else, another woman at one of the tables, was sitting there alone, and and she wanted to take a picture with me. And I said, "That's awfully sweet, of course." And when she finished her meal and I finished mine, I walked over there and I said, "Let's go, let's do it." And uh, boy, a, a great meal. So the whole point is, you know what? That's a thing to do in the heart of L.A. Uh, Colonel Jeff's friend Dan was from Philadelphia. And, but to go to the Hollywood Museum on Highland Avenue, folks, if you ever get out here, go there. You'll be glad you did. And for the cherry on top there, Colonel Jeff went to the Magic Castle for the first time and enjoyed it, loved it. And that was just a couple of days ago, right? Folks, the Magic Castle, if you haven't heard from it, is something something you really need to look at. I knew it. I went there several times because, well, at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, well, it's the word there is magic in there. That's the name of the club, the Comedy and Magic Club. And uh, some they have wonderful, wonderful magicians there. And uh, a couple of them over the years had said to me, uh, you know what? Let me uh, get you into the Magic Castle because someone has to invite you, uh, one of the members, and it's fantastic. It's so old, and Colonel Jeff thought maybe from the 30s, but boy, and there are different little tunnels that take you from one showroom to another, and one is close-up magic that where the magician comes to your table and, with, and does hand magic with coins, and you just say, holy mackerel. Get a load of this guy. And then another one, they do all sorts of things, some with more, well, sometimes with, with, with more costumes and some bigger shows. That is, uh, there's about 100 people in that showroom and for the bigger shows, and they have guys who do, well, larger events. They have guys who do with big boxes that turn into bigger boxes or just into a, a fox or something. But they're all terrific. And by the way, I love that place so much that I shot a scene there from my first HBO special because they have everything in that place in the Magic Castle. They have British officer uniforms and soldiers and colonial uniforms and all sorts of things you, for men and women. And so I had, well, that's right, I had my fr friends, uh, Jonathan Schmock, great actor you've seen in many movies, and Jerry Seinfeld, you know him, and to see him do that Foot stomp him, stomp, stomp. Yasha, you cold? You know, and he's got a British thing on. In any case, folks, you know what? Colonel Jeff went to the Magic Castle and loved it, and you will too. They're not a sponsor. I'm just saying I love it, and you'd love it too. And another, well, another 150 years or so, next blue moon, blood moon, I'm going to see it. And, uh, You'll have to call me up, or maybe we'll talk about it at our next show. It's only 150 years. We'll be here. And you'll be here too, folks. I know that because you and I know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a house to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks... The game's over and you've won. And you should be in the Hollywood Museum too. Be well and we'll see you here next time.